Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. You want to hear about my commitment? I don't know. Well, you want to hear about my commitment to the wrestling podcast is what I was going to say. But I think I just like have an excuse to complain about the amount of wrestling that I watch no matter what. This is the lesson, folks. No matter what, no matter how much you like something, you can absolutely turn it into a job in order to properly bring you Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast this week. I just, literally just now, before I sat down to record, watched Wrestle Kingdom 11, then SmackDown, then Talking Smack. Raw was the other night. I think I'm ready. I'm pretty sure I'm ready to go. I had forgotten, well, I guess I'll talk about it in the state of wrestling. I hadn't forgotten Wrestle Kingdom was happening. I knew, of course, that it was happening, but I couldn't stay up to watch it live because I had work. And I just knew that I was going to have a pretty long afternoon, a, a, a long but pleasurable afternoon when I got on the train this morning to go to work and I started going through tweets and I was like, oh, people are recapping Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, people are watching it live still. It's still on. I was on the train at like 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. Oh, this is live coverage. I'm like, oh, did NATO headline? Nope, nope, nope. That's uh, second to last. We're still waiting. Oh, they're talking about Kenny Omega's entrance as it's happening. Oh, okay. But I did. I'm, I, I, I luckily was able to watch it this afternoon, uh, uh, and I'll talk about that in State of Wrestling. Uh, SmackDown was a good one. A lot to talk about on SmackDown, but one of the key components for the show, and the show actually inspired me to do something special with today's podcast, was what happened with Dolph Ziggler. I've been saying for a long time on this here podcast that my main concern with the Dolph Ziggler character was the idea that the show-off was conceding defeat. That one moment, he'd talk about how he was the show-off, and he was the best, and this and that, and then the next minute, he would admit that he lost and said, you know, I had an off night, but I'm going to keep trying, and I'm going to keep pushing, and I'm going to keep doing this, and that's not, he wasn't talking like a show-off anymore, he was talking like an underdog. And so the idea that, and, and that was, I think, to garner sympathy, because it's difficult to pull off being a good guy and being a show-off. That's why his Twitter name is Heel Ziggler, because he's not a natural good guy. He's a natural show-off. I wanted to see more of the show-off, less of the underdog talk. You know, there's a big difference between admitting that you've lost or not getting the opportunities with a chip on your shoulder and with humility. And Dolph Ziggler, to me, is his best Dolph Ziggler when that chip on his shoulder is big and uh, evident to everybody. When he's when he's showing humility and being relatable and saying, you know what, I appreciate you guys cheering for me and I'm just going to keep going, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. What happened to the chip? Bring it back. 
we want to see the chipper again. Well, he got it back on SmackDown this week. And I realized that a couple of years ago, before WrestleMania 29, okay, this is actually more than a couple of years ago. It's about uh, three, four years ago, four, almost four years ago, I talked to Dolph Ziggler right before. It was Radio Row, WrestleMania 29. Uh, this interview has lived on YouTube, but obviously I didn't get to air it on the podcast because Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast did not exist at the time. So I wanted to play that interview today because I think it's pretty relevant based on what we're looking at. And before WrestleMania 29, we were talking to Adolf Ziggler, who multiple times in the interview talked about how he thought he was the best talked about how he thought he was better than everybody else. This is the interview where he talks about how he doesn't like John Cena because he thinks he's better than John Cena. And as much as maybe when I'm describing it to you, it sounds in character, when you listen to the interview, whether it's in character or not, whether he's telling the truth or he's quote-unquote working us or not, when you listen to the interview, you believe that what this guy is telling you is true. You believe that Dolph Ziggler or Nick Nemeth or whoever was sitting across the table from me absolutely thinks he's the best, does not like John Cena, does not like seeing other people succeed because he believes he should be succeeding more. And he's not, uh, there's no humility to it. It's, I'm mad that he's succeeding. Not like, you know, I'm mad at myself because I know I can do better. It's, no. I hate seeing other people succeed because I want to be succeeding more. And that's a Dolph Ziggler I've been looking to see for a long time. Uh, a Dolph Ziggler that hopefully will start to rear his head more and more on SmackDown when he's not using it to headbutt Apollo Crews. Uh, and, and I thought that we would together listen to Dolph Ziggler right before WrestleMania 29 here on the podcast this week. So that's what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, from uh, four years ago. It's the man who I think returned this week. It's the real Dolph Ziggler. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Dolph Ziggler just stopped by, and we're, this is such a weird environment. We were just listening to Sergeant Slaughter cut a promo in yeah, the booth. And it was great. Yeah, it was great. He still got it. Who were you, who were you, who'd you look up to? Man, Sarge was one for sure. Yeah. Uh, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels. You were a Hogan guy? Uh, as a t little kid. Right. I, mean, I got the ice cream bar. I got the weight set with the sand that leaked out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it, it wasn't too long of a time because I, I had an uncle who was really into wrestling and used to show me beta tapes of Ric Flair. And at too young of an age, I was into Ric Flair, which is cool. Oh, okay. So you became like a, like a smart fan like yeah. way before you're this supposed This guy to. is James Bond, but he's also out there killing it in the ring. And uh, that's... I slowly started to uh, make my career along those lines. Yeah. I wanted to be the the best. Yeah, and how do you? What do you think? You're uh, you're wrestling for the tag titles at WrestleMania. Yep. Uh, but you've also had the Money in the Bank briefcase, which guarantees you a title match uh, for how many months? Um, well, I wondered if it renewed when I defended it several different times, <laughs> including one against John Cena, which I don't even know how he got that match. Has anyone ever questioned how he got that match? Whatever. I, I don't know. Uh, I think I have about two and a half months left uh -huh. at the most. Uh, also, I know Sunday is a really big show. So yeah. um, I figure if all, all the crap I've been through, all the matches I've 
made so amazing that maybe I can reward myself and cash in at WrestleMania. Perhaps if the right if the right scenario would play out, maybe on Sunday. How come you don't think? Because for for a little while during the year, it looked like you were heading to like more like the world title scene or the WWE title scene or whatever. You were running your whole thing with John Cena, and then it kind of went in a different direction. It's uh, you know what? I had a blast working with John. Yeah. Because uh, I hate him, and like <laughs> for real. You do. Yeah. Why? I don't, I hate everything he stands for. I hate how awkwardly he runs. I hate that he's <laughs> bad at wrestling, but he has this awesome connection with the fans, and I'm so great at wrestling. Right. And I haven't made that great connection with all the fans that aren't in New York, and uh, it's. So, so you love when John Cena comes to New York, and New York is cheering for you oh, and booing Cena the out of the TLC pay-per-view was one of the most mind-blowing things I have ever been a part of at the Barclays Center. I was like, oh, yeah, it's New York. They tend to be you know, like me and not like John. Mm-hmm. The entire arena was cheering me and booing him, and I go, this is really funny. Like, yeah. How great is this? How much longer are we going to do it? And then yeah. we, were, we were done in a week or two after that. But it's, uh, it, it's a blast being out there because he's, I hate him. But he's good, and he has this connection with the crowd. And he's a great face of the company. So I like being the jerk that I am, being yeah. out there with him and complimenting him and making him look better than everyone else could. But it's interesting that you're like aware, self-aware enough of what's and, and aware of what's going on enough to not sit there and be like, "Well, Cena sucks, and I'm good. I don't understand." Uh, like you're yeah, you're, you're not, sitting yeah. there aware, like, look. He's there's a hundred fifty thousand John Cena T-shirts in the crowd. Right. Obviously, it's, uh, he is the face of the company for a reason. He mm-hmm. does all those Make a Wish for a reason. He's constantly in some main event, perhaps WrestleMania's main event, because he is our poster guy. He's our guy, and it's great. That's why I hate him. I want to be in that spot. Right. And it's one frustrating. day I'm going to be. Man, it is so frustrating. Yeah. Uh, especially when you're like, oh, I'm so good. With so it, it just drives me. It's fun, uh, and we have a nice little rivalry where he does things his way. We don't always see things eye to eye, Yeah, and uh, it makes it that much more fun. You're one of the guys who's pretty vocal on, like, Twitter and stuff like that about legit stuff. Like, some guys, <laughs> like, you know, Brock Lesnar's tweeting, I'm going to get you Triple H, I and, like, Triple that. H is like, tweet? and it's, it like, 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 that's not what Twitter's about, really. Yeah. But you're, for, you were one of the early guys on Twitter, and you're kind of yourself. You're not in character, right. and... You voice complaints about you know not getting pushed or not or not being in this you know in this match or not right. being where uh, you yeah. want to be. How does that? What type of reaction does it get when you're just taking it upon yourself to? It's expose not things? always positive. You're probably backstage. not, right? Uh, yeah, but it's I. If I feel so strongly about something, and I'm usually pretty entertaining enough to be able to like mix in the storylines that we're involved in or is John's a good guy so I can stick it to him on Twitter and uh, if I'm really <laughs> mad at him for something I'll give him a couple things and yeah. it's, it's uh, if you're able to do it and in, in all in good fun and blur the lines of reality which is what we do on a daily basis right. we out and entertain if you're entertaining and it is not malicious at the end of the day you're just promoting WWE I kind I enjoyed my favorite thing was watching as uh, like a year ago you and Zack Ryder had a thing like, let's go to WrestleMania together. And then you stopped doing that because you're like, I'm in a program with John Cena. I don't need this. And then you're like, you know, maybe we should have hey, that yeah, match. Zach, Zach, are you listening? <laughs> uh, can you get to MetLife by uh, Sunday? No. we. But does doing it, his show was a blast. Yeah. And having that like rivalry where the, he – we had a rivalry that wasn't addressed on TV that the crowd was <laughs> chanting for Zach right. and like booing me instead of cheering or whatever they would normally do. It was so fun because of his show and because of his influence in Twitter and YouTube that he did that on his own. Like that was, that's why I go, 
let's do it. Let's make this match. And he tr he tried so many different things to be a part of something, and we thought we'd make you know build that first match for WrestleMania. But it didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, well, plus, I mean, at least you got a match, right? Yeah, <laughs> honestly, uh, on one. this, uh, there's so many. Uh, I'm a jerk. I think I'm better than everyone else. There are so yeah. many deserving guys that deserve to be on this card, and they are not. And I am so grateful to be given the chance to go out there and entertain in front of those fans. Are you one of the guys who gets bummed out when uh, guys return? Absolutely. You are? Yeah. So, like, when The Rock or Brock Lesnar or Triple H or all these guys yeah. – you know, do two matches a year, and one of them is a headlining WrestleMania match. That bums you out. It it absolutely it drives me. It really makes me mad. Yeah. And but everything my whole life has been a chip on my shoulder of like, ah, oh, you're too short. We're gonna keep you here, or oh, we're gonna make you a cheerleader, and good luck getting out of that one. Yeah. And you, and it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be better than everyone else. So you do it, and you get there, and you see. There is a draw. There is a reason these guys come back part-time because we gr I grew up watching these guys. Yes. And I feel that connection that we don't always have with, with younger generations right now. And business-wise, it's a smart move. It makes the biggest movie star in the entire world is main eventing our pay-per-view, our WrestleMania. So that's going to get eyes that we would somehow maybe never really see who don't know who Dolph Ziggler is. Yeah. They're going to get a chance to see me. So you have to see the positive in it. Man, it makes me so mad. But there, there is a positive spin to it in the end in the, for business in the long run. Hopefully it makes me a bigger star down the line. How come you think you said that you, you didn't connect with the crowd? You, you haven't figured it out I yet? I haven't had like a, a fun like sit down on the mic and yeah. let these fans know they're not just cheering for the best wrestler. Like, I'm really funny, too, and really entertaining <laughs> yeah. and really good at talking and really good at crossing over to a TV show or a radio show or a movie. Like, one day, they, they know that they're going to see a great match. Right. They see me and Daniel Bryan, and like, oh, this is going to be great. The internet's going to explode. But now it's it's like, what do you do? Well, he's with AJ and Big E, but, like, you don't know anything about my life. You need no. to know a little. There's a reason when Sean goes out there on Monday for two minutes – and it's like, oh, this is so real. Like, we get it because we have this connection with Sean. We know about his life. We know what he's been through. And with Sean from day one, it was that kick through a barbershop window. Right. And it's, he's a made guy. Yeah, and I'll, I'll never forget it. But it's like there, there has to be some type of substance to a character. And we know John. We know he's hustle, loyalty, and respect. Yeah. He doesn't back down. He's the face of the company. What do we know about me? I'm Jack, shredded, look like a movie star, and have great matches. That doesn't connect with everyone. So – when you're, why don't you, when you're on a mic, just take it? Uh, there was a time where I was coming back through um, the entranceway through Gorilla and going so angrily, having the best match of the night and not being involved in anything and going, follow that to, to producers and other guys waiting to go on. You were yelling at wrestlers. I was, follow that. Why am I not in this match? And just wanting to... to Get out there and go. Let them know that I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be a superstar, but I'm angry that I'm not getting more of a shot. This is a, a year or two ago. So we, we actually started having me grab a mic on TV and go follow that. That was something, right? And, and usually it's Vicky going, "Excuse me," and I go, "Hey, I'm the show off. I'm here to show off." Like, so when you that doesn't as much fun as it was. I'm sure I would assume to work with Vicky Guerrero because she she's become yeah. this ridiculously hot heel out of yeah. just nowhere. Mind blowing. There is no one that I've I've worked here for eight years. And there is no one that has ever gotten that response. Yeah. And, and a couple nights, um, we went to commercial breaks going, we, we're, they're still booing. Like, we, we'll have to come back and do something. But does, that, does it help you or frustrate you? Are, are you sitting there going, like, I'm not the guy who needs somebody to suck up that much heat? Right. I, I don't think I'll ever be that guy. But I also go, 
here, you're a cheerleader and a caddy. Make the most of it. Okay, okay, I will. It's like, hey, you have Vicky. She's getting booed out of the building. People are cheering when you're doing wrestling moves. We need to figure something out here. And uh, what's a way? Can, can I make it grosser? Can we be gross with each other? Can we find some kind of connection yeah. to where either we can be sharing this boo or we're both getting cheered or something? And it's, it's I've made the most of it. Uh, I've... Once in a while, I get to talk on the microphone, and I have a great time. And otherwise, it's me just nodding while she said, excuse me, or, you know. So we're, we're getting there. I think slowly but surely, a couple times I got to talk. I've uh, gotten a little bit in trouble, but also I was you do, being cause, myself. Because when, when you get on a mic, you do attempt to take it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is – you do uh, definitely go all the way because I was talking to AJ – and she was talking about, you know. I go all the way. Well, I mean, uh, you go in the ring. And, like, she's been on TV, passed around throughout the whole locker room at this point. But nobody has given her these deep, open mouth kisses on national television. Like, Jesus Christ, what are we watching here? Uh, I think it even grosses her out after a while because yeah. I'm into some weird stuff. So it's kind of cool that we can actually show a little. <laughs> a little of the freakiness? No, it's, it's fun. It's like, I, I, I just remember... Like, oh, like, take this and make it your own and yeah. make it exciting. Hey, we want you guys to kiss. It's going to make everyone mad. Awesome. I'm going to do it my way. It's going to be gross. Let me ask you, because you might be able to confirm this. AJ said, <laughs> somebody has slipped her tongue, but she wouldn't confirm whether or not you've done that. I asked her, has Dolph done Because my guess would be that you would be the one. I don't think, like, Daniel Bryan I feel did like Daniel Bryan wouldn't know how to do it. And, <laughs> he like, probably hasn't kissed a girl, I feel you like think? I'm above it. That where I don't need to prove anything to her, right? But, uh, man, you know what? I not without her knowing. I would okay, say. yeah, All she right. was in clear, conscious, sound mind and body. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask. Let me ask you if I can ask you about that. Can I talk to you about Amy Schumer? Uh, sure. Okay, because obviously, you know, Amy went on, you know, Howard Stern and made this whole big thing. How did you? end up dating Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer, by the uh, way, is a, a friend of the you know, right, O&A yeah, show. And uh, she's a yeah. friend of mine still. Yeah, so she we're, is. We're, we're buddies. That's good. She, she went out and said that she broke up with you because the sex was too athletic, correct? Uh, I'm pretty sure that's, <laughs> that's what, what she said. That's what she said. Well, you, you know, you had to listen to the interview. Yes, of course I did. And that's what she said. When, when I, I was actually flying home and, yeah. and uh, turned on my phone off the plane to... I don't know, 78 voicemails or so. <laughs> this is 77 more than usual. Uh-huh. And, uh, no, it's, uh, she's great. She's so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and you didn't mind that that was the reason that she gave? Uh, no, I just, the only, long run, my mom and aunt and grandma here, like, having <laughs> them to hear, I was like, oh. They all heard so about it? Disgu- like, and somehow went out of their way to listen to it. Like, I don't even, like, oh, does, she's my, grandma, talking about does my grandma have serious rate? Like, I don't yeah. know, how does she... And uh, but otherwise, uh, we're buddies. She's so funny, and uh, I, I, was it, a, I was a fan of hers. And we ended up. Uh, she was supposed to do a show in Phoenix, and she canceled. I, I kind of gave her crap on on the internet, saying uh-huh. don't go see her. She canceled the show, but I guess she was sick for real. So. Um, is it intimidating to be around somebody who's that funny when you're like dating a girl who's that funny? It's really challenging. Yeah, which I love. It was so great. Like, usually I'm the killer. Yeah. Funny one, and I'm like, oh, she's funnier than me. This is not. It's, oh yeah, all right. Let's see. And it makes me think, and it challenges me. I loved it. It was so fun. Because like when she's in studio, I just want to shut my mouth because I'm like, <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything that's gonna make this person laugh. <laughs> right. And like, I couldn't imagine being in a relate. Like the whole point. I held my own. You by did. The way. You and did. Constantly, she'd be like, you know, you know, you're not funnier than me. Like, ah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll yeah. See. Yeah. Well, listen, I appreciate <laughs> you. 
being so candid with me today. I feel like I feel like uh, you gave me the real Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, of course. You know, and uh, hopefully, I, and, and I sit there watching, and I'm like, I know it's there, and I, I talk to the other guys. You know, I know you did the busted open guys down there. And I talk to them all the time. Like, it's there, but he's got to. They got to let him be himself. He's got to. One of these days, you know, I I honestly feel. I, I, I thought last year, uh, my time-wise, a couple years ago, last year was going to be my time. I feel like once those part-time guys start to, to fade away, once we open it up again, that's it, it tends to be a time where, all right, you know what? You mm-hmm. talked all this crap. Go deliver. Have you, have you, you, know? you talking the crap, do you think that's held you back? Probably. Yeah. They're probably <laughs> like, yeah, right. Well, you know what? He didn't, if he's going to try to get himself over, we're going to do everything we can to stop it know. from happening. Sometimes it's appreciated that you're going out there through the right channels, and sometimes it's not. So, but that's the chance I take, and I'm really looking forward to actually Instead of on Twitter and backstage, getting a chance, I feel like after WrestleMania, that'll be the time, and it's sink or swim, and I guarantee I'll deliver. That's fair. Why is the money in the... Do you have to carry the money in the bank briefcase everywhere? Everywhere. I Even though you, it's I, all dented I, up I, and everything? It's smashed. I carry it through everything. I carry it through security. I have it with me. I will not check it. I will not lose it. Yeah. I have it at all times. Why didn't they get a new one? Uh, it's, I, it's, I think, it's trash. I feel like that that's... Like, this is the one. So right. So if it becomes this... Uh, crinkled up beer can that I'm holding <laughs> yeah. like that's what it is at the end of the day yeah. so. so what's it like to go through security with it do people want to uh, look at of, it open it if, if they get it wrestling sports entertainment they yeah. love it and like, oh, cool, what's in there? And I usually say it's all jelly beans or crackers because Kramer used to have it on Seinfeld <laughs> in his briefcase but uh, if they don't know uh, and I'm getting on a plane, and I go, wow, money in the bank, what is it? I go, there's a million dollars in here. <laughs> Usually it's handcuffed to my wrist, huh. but we went through security. We can't do it. Is it okay if I keep it? With, oh, yeah, yeah, do whatever. Yeah. I don't know. All a lot right. of animals, a kidney. I, I've said it all. It's probably not as, as Ted DiBiase told me that they made him carry the million dollar belt with him everywhere. But that looked great. It's a lot of responsibility, though. If you oh, lose yeah. the million dollar belt. You don't belt. want to put it up in a plane and then sleep and then wake up and get off the plane and, like, oh, my $500,000 right. vajazzled belt is over there. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I got to tell you, too, if I'm like a little kid who's a wrestling fan and Dolph Ziggler falls asleep, that briefcase is mine. Yeah, I, was, I always wonder that. I'm like, it better be up there when I <laughs> you just sleep slide with it, one eye open. Slide it under the seat. Yeah. All right, Dolph. Well, thank you. You got it, buddy. For being here, dude. It's a pleasure. Yep, thanks. Here is Sam Roberts. Uh, it's always fun to stroll down memory lane. You know, when you think about Dolph Ziggler and you look at Dolph Ziggler, we all want to look like Dolph Ziggler. But it seems very difficult. Who has the time? Not only do you have to go to the gym, but you have to get your nutrition straight. And in order to get your nutrition state straight, you've got to eat the right types of food. And how are you going to do that? How do you even know where to find the right types of food? Well... You ever heard of Blue Apron? Blue Apron is a place where you get the right food. You get seafood that's sourced sustainably under standards developed in partnership with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. You get beef that's raised humanely. You get chickens that are free range. You get pork that's raised naturally. And because Blue Apron ships the exact amount of each ingredient required for recipes, they're reducing food waste. Blue Apron is a service that gives you the ingredients that you need. It gives you the recipes. It ships dinner, lunch, breakfast, whatever you need. It sh- Lila, I'm talking. It ships the meal. She gets excited because sometimes, you know, she gets bummed out about Blue Apron because what would I used to do? I'd make food and Lila would get what was left over because I don't know how to do ingredients. I don't know what I'm doing. I'd be like, I want to have chicken fingers tonight. So I'd buy nine pounds of chicken, right? And it was gross chicken. 
It was not the right stuff at all. So what do you do? You eat a quarter, a quarter ounce of it, and you give a ton of awful chicken to the dog. And what have you done? You've wasted money, and if you don't have a dog, you've wasted food. It'll never happen again because of Blue Apron. Here's some of the meals that are available in January. Uh, seared pork chops with farro and cranberry chutney. I'm not kidding. That's something you're going to be able to make. You're going to be able to have. You're going to be able to bring your family together in the kitchen because of Blue Apron. Spaghetti squash and marinara with mushrooms and garlic knots. Oh, are people going to be impressed by you? Spicy shrimp and Korean rice cakes with cabbage. Okay? I'm not joking. You got to check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash roberts that's right not only am i giving you a free wrestling podcast every week but you're eating on me not literally on me but saying i'm paying for it it's for free because you listen to this show if you go to blueapron.com slash roberts you will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with blue apron so don't wait Go to blueapron.com slash Roberts. Get your first three meals for free with free shipping. Blueapron.com slash Roberts. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And maybe it'll look like Dolph Ziggler at the end of it. I don't know for sure. I don't know. I'm not a nutritionist. But Blue Apron makes it so much easier. So that's... I I, I enjoyed re-listening and revisiting that Dolph Ziggler interview uh, because... I feel like we're like, yeah, I remember that guy. And there was a while when Dolph Ziggler's character was headed in that direction, where we thought it was going to go over there. But now, because he's so humble about things, it's like, if he were to insult John Cena last week on SmackDown, for instance, we all go, whoa, whoa, Dolph, relax, bro. What are you doing? What are you insulting the guy for? He's the face that runs the place. Now, based on that interview, based on this new Dolph Ziggler, we've got a guy that's going to be able to step forward. I don't think the nice guy Dolph Ziggler is a guy that has the potential to be in big matches. I mean, we saw him with Dean Ambrose, and it wasn't... Remember the SummerSlam match? It was like it was a good match, but it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't something that we got excited about. Now, now I think we get excited... Because we believe that we're going to see the best Dolph Ziggler. Because he believes that he's going to show us the best Dolph Ziggler. All right, let's talk about what happened on wrestling this week. Uh, Let's get into the state of wrestling. We got SmackDown. We got Raw. We got UFC. We got Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, it was a busy week. Let's go. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. So how much fun is Wrestle Kingdom 11, huh? We should start there because I think just in in wrestling fan world, that was probably the biggest thing to happen this week. I think overall, maybe not, maybe, maybe not. It's definitely worth the conversation, but I think in wrestling fan world, it was the biggest thing to happen. Uh, last year, I watched the show live. I don't remember what the reasoning was. I feel like January 4th, was on a weekend or something? I don't know. It doesn't seem like the calendar works that way. But for whatever reason, I wasn't working. And I remember watching it live and thinking to myself, what a cool experience this is. Because, you know, it's not getting 
numbers like WWE gets in America, but there was this feeling amongst wrestling fans that a lot of us were staying, and I was on the West Coast then, last year on January 4th, which meant it was three hours earlier, so I'm only staying up till like, you know, three or four in the morning instead of six or seven in the morning, but uh, I just remember thinking like it was amazing that a wrestling organization had figured out a way to put on a show that was so compelling they could create a sense of community among American wrestling fans that are all up in the middle of the night, all excited about watching this show. I uh, Wrestle Kingdom is probably as close as anybody's come to doing a WrestleMania-like show, at least in many years. You could argue that, you know... In the 80s and and I guess in the 90s with WCW, there was the Starcades and all this stuff. But I don't think in, – in WCW, definitely. Once WCW branched away from NWA, Starcade, no WCW pay-per-view ever had the feel that a big WrestleMania show did. WCW did not have a giant stadium-feeling show. And I understand that the Tokyo Dome is not a stadium, but it is a dome. And, you know, like they had the Nitro in the Georgia Dome and stuff like that. But there was never – there wasn't this show that you could depend on once a year that was like an epicenter for pro wrestling. And in the 80s, you might have had your Starcade and your WrestleMania or whatever it is. But it really – we have gotten to the point where more and more wrestling fans are coming to the table with this idea – that every first weekend of uh, first weekend in April every year is of course WrestleMania and it always will be. But as of, in the last two or three years, January fourth has become an important day for hardcore wrestling fans. And I don't have numbers. I'm not an analyst, but just based on on the feel that I get, based on what what I feel around me, uh, the the feedback that I get, it feels like it's only growing. There were a lot of people on my Twitter feed that were tweeting about it this morning. As I said earlier on the show, 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, Naito is they're, – they're going, oh, my God, Naito won, da, da, da. And I'm, I'm, I'm seriously going like, oh, did they just wake up and find out? And it's like, no, they've been up all night watching this show. Uh, it was and, – and I don't – there's no other wrestling show – that is nearly as newsworthy, that is as much of a spectacle. The presentation is there. It is absolutely a spectacle. Uh, And it feels like it's as big of a deal as Wrestle Kingdom. It's right under WrestleMania. And, And take it for what it's worth, I would say Wrestle Kingdom is more of a show for wrestling fans because WrestleMania is always like the funnest show. Maybe not even the funnest show. It's always like the the most celebratory show, right? It like WrestleMania is a celebration of everything that WWE is, which is to say everything that the company is. WrestleMania is a celebration of mainstream meets sports meets entertainment. What pro wrestling has become. It's this thing that everybody's invited to. It's larger than life. It's big. It's fireworks. It's colors. It's music. It's da da da. It's not necessarily for hardcore wrestling fans. And in the last several years, you'll see that even though you've had some great WrestleMania moments, generally speaking, for a a hardcore WWE fan, 
WrestleMania is not the favorite pay-per-view of the year, and it's certainly, as I talked about with Wade Keller last week, not indicative of who the year is going to be centered around. It's more indicative of who do we want the world to see us showcasing. The world is watching WrestleMania. Who do we want focused on? So even if they're like, look, Roman Reigns may not be the superstar of 2016, but on this night, on WrestleMania night, when the world is watching, that's the face that we want leaving. And it's like, okay, once you can accept that, you go, okay, I can understand that. I think it's a little different. I don't follow New Japan like I follow WWE, obviously, but I think New Japan still focuses more around hardcore fans of New Japan Pro Wrestling when they're putting together the Wrestle Kingdom show. That could change. I think if New Japan became a giant publicly traded company where mainstream was watching Wrestle Kingdom, not just wrestling fans, then you would probably have a similar effect of what happens with WrestleMania. I don't blame WWE for what happens with WrestleMania. I get it. It makes sense. You know, it's 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 a show that's you're you're there's a WrestleMania audience and there's a WWE audience. So WrestleMania is catering to a WrestleMania audience, not a WWE audience, if that makes sense. So Wrestle Kingdom's audience is still hardcore wrestling fans. So they're worried about putting on the best wrestling show of the year. And over the past two years, the only the only Wrestle Kingdom shows that I've watched basically start to finish were this year and last year. I've seen stuff from previous Wrestle Kingdoms, but those are the shows that I've actually participated in and watched on the day of and all that. So those are the shows that I can tell you are catering to, to wrestling fans. And I think that's, that's right right now, as I said. That's the way to go. Uh, there was a lot about the show that was really great. And there was a lot... I'll get into what on that show I think WWE can maybe pay attention to, can maybe do a little better. I think that first and foremost, the show was a great display of pacing. The Japanese wrestling fans are very different than American wrestling fans. I think the Japanese wrestling fans are less likely to exhaust themselves at the beginning of a show, whereas American wrestling fans are more uh, uh, quick to do that. Like, they'll, they'll lose their minds for the opening match, whereas Japanese fans... It's almost like a discipline. It feels like Japanese fans pace themselves. Because you're watching Wrestle Kingdom, and at first, you're going, oh, this is what everybody talks about. This is the Japanese wrestling fans being uh, uh, respectful. They're being quiet through the matches. They're, they're reacting to big moves, and they're reacting to wrestler taunts in the ring, but they're not. there isn't this loud thing carrying on throughout the match until the main event, right? You could start to pick it up in the Naito match. It starts to pick up. You know, the crowd, the buzz, and you can feel the energy in the room start to pick up. And by the main event, by the time Kenny Omega is in there, the place is unglued. And throughout that main event, especially towards the end, people were losing their minds. And I don't know if it's because of the way the show was paced or if it's because of the the environment the Japanese wrestling fans create. But I do know that in America, I'll say, not just WWE, but in America, you could not put on a six-hour wrestling show 
and have fans in the building losing their minds for a 45-minute match to close that show. That is Looney Tunes, but it's exactly what we saw. I think that they do a great job of pacing the matches in terms of matches feeling different, in terms of timing, you know, some matches are shorter, some matches are longer, and they do, like, there's, there's, there's a different spectacle, they do it without promos, they do it without boxes or ribbons or bags, they do it without, without, like, promo breaks, they do it without vignettes, they just go match, 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 but the way it's slowed down in between the matches, it's, it's much more, that show is scheduled like a UFC event, that's the way the, the, the fights are scheduled. For the bigger fights, they'll be like a, a, a video package, sure. But for the most part, you get a little tail of the tape. You'll get a cool entrance. They'll stand in the ring for a second, and then the match will start. And that's not the product that WWE delivers, so I'm not saying that they should pace their show like that. But there is something to the fact that a long show becomes can become more exciting when you pace it like that. There were issues around SummerSlam. SummerSlam was a very long show. It was like four and a half hours or more. And by the three-hour mark, fans were exhausted, and it affected the matches. It affected the show. It was like when you watch Wrestle Kingdom, I didn't get the feeling. When I was watching SummerSlam, and I use this analogy for Raw a lot, but when I watch SummerSlam, when I watch a lot of the episodes of Raw, I feel like, you've got a good double album that would have been a great traditional album. That There is filler tracks that if you killed, you'd have an amazing single album, but you made it a double album because you couldn't edit yourself. And I didn't get that feeling watching Russell Kingdom. And maybe it was because it was so exciting because I don't watch these guys on a regular basis, but I don't think that anybody got that feeling as they watched Russell Kingdom because it was very, very well received. So I think that's a lesson. I also think that... New Japan, while I don't think that like the uh, uh, the Pimp of Tokyo would necessarily work in modern era, not just WWE, but American entertainment, like that stuff just doesn't exist on American entertainment really anymore. The Attitude Era was a reflection of what entertainment was. Jerry Springer, Beavis and Butthead, Howard Stern, all that stuff. But entertainment as a whole has been neutered and societally, America accepts less in their entertainment, and they get offended more easily. So you can't bring back stuff like that, and you can't make it more girl-centric and all that stuff. But the the New Japan's characters are presented in a way that's a lot cooler and more a little bit more realistic and a little less insulting to the intelligence of a person, maybe than WWE. I think that there are still most WWE characters are presented in the right way. Like, you know, there were lots of segments on Raw and SmackDown that were terrific. I I think the build for John Cena and AJ Styles is amazing. Uh, uh, Bringing Baron Corbin in was perfect. The Dolph Ziggler storyline, as I said, was great. Uh, I even, I liked all the Enzo Rusev stuff that's been happening. I know some people didn't, but I like it. Uh, uh, the end of Raw, we'll talk about that was great, but they're, they're, it's just a way of presenting characters. Like, you know, we can still have people that look scary. Why not? And maybe it's because, uh, well, I don't know why it is, but 
why not have characters that look like a gang in The Purge? That have like scary masks on and they're just violent and out to, to wreak havoc. That really are intimidating. You know, why not have, have a group like Chaos? Why not have a Bullet Club-like group where, where it feels like it's just guys being cool that don't care about tradition anymore. Like, it's all stuff that is is universally relatable. I think that's why American wrestling fans are able to enjoy Wrestle Kingdom so much. Number one, because the matches are fantastic. But number two, because a lot of these characters are universally relatable. I've brought up his name a couple times, and uh, I'm glad that he won. But to me, and, and I felt this way before Wrestle Kingdom, to be fair. I saw him live at a couple Ring of Honor shows, I think over the summer. And I told my wife, I think, who I was with, that that's the guy. To me, that's the guy. Nakamura, I felt like, was the guy before, and WWE got him. But Naito, to me, is the most valuable talent in New Japan. I think just because of his value as an entertainer, that character, the charisma, the way he presents himself, to me... If I'm going in there and I can have one guy that was on that Wrestle Kingdom show and bring him back to my promotion in America, it's Naito, for sure. He's subtle about things, the eye thing, the way he comes to the ring and doesn't care about anything, but then he picks it up once he's actually wrestling, like he wrestles like fiercely. It, it, but he, he finds this line, like he's not wrestling passionately because he doesn't want to come off like he's an emotional person, but he wrestles fiercely so that you believe that he actually cares about what he's doing without caring about what you think about what he's doing. It's just really, uh, to me, it's brilliant. And the whole presentation of walking to the ring slowly and in the suit, and again, the mask is cool, all that stuff. Uh, that, to me, is the guy that I would watch. I would also, I, Takahashi, I would, and maybe I'm just a sucker for the entertainment value of people, but Takahashi is a close second. Takahashi beat Kushida at Wrestle Kingdom, and I would absolutely grab him too. If I'm WWE and I'm watching that, those are the two guys, and they're not the biggest guys in the world for sure, but I think they're the most entertaining guys, and and entertainment value is what's going to translate in the States, and I think those two can both provide that. Uh, I thought it was so fun, you know, go back and listen to the interview that Adam Cole did with us here on the podcast uh, a while back when he first joined the Bullet Club. I think it was Adam Cole and the Young Bucks was when we talked about this. But to watch Adam Cole, who, like everybody knows, I'm a huge fan of, to see him regain the become the first three-time Ring of Honor champion in the Tokyo Dome, where like he really wanted to perform, was incredible. To, to, to see back-to-back history be made, and I'm not just saying this because they were both like amazing guests on this podcast, but to see history get made back-to-back uh, by Adam Cole winning that title in the Tokyo Dome, and then in the match before that, to watch Cody Rhodes wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom in the Tokyo Dome, and before that for New Japan, and before that wrestle for Ring of Honor at Final Battle, and before that, wrestle for TNA at Bound for Glory, and before that, wrestle for WWE at WrestleMania, WrestleMania, Bound for Glory, uh, 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 Final Battle, and, and Wrestle Kingdom. 
all inside of a 12-month period. It's less than 12 months, but inside that 12 months, he did all four of those big shows, and that's never even been close to have been done before. But that's that's what we were talking about last week. Cody Rhodes in 2016 figured out what the new wrestling business plan is, what the new that that's wrestling now that you can pull off that. And so I was so psyched and I thought Cody looked amazing and and the American Nightmare as I said last week is such a good character going heel and joining the Bullet Club and everything. I also as I was watching I so I was so psyched to see Cody and Adam uh, both make history back-to-back like that at that show. Uh, awesome. Awesome as far as I'm concerned. I also think uh, that New Japan did something really, really smart. And that is, last year the show was all about the Bullet Club. That Bullet Club, that music was just all over the show. And it was like, it almost it felt it started to feel like, and I think probably the year before too. I, I would imagine the last year AJ Styles was still there, so it was super hot. I can only imagine what it was like when uh, when Prince Devitt was was there with them. But it was when AJ was there, it was feeling like like the NWO at its peak, where it was awesome to watch, and the NWO was the coolest thing ever. But like I would watch that and like saying, well. What's going to happen when the bottom falls out on this thing? Because if the NWO is this cool, the reason they're this cool is because they keep saying WCW sucks. So we're being conditioned to know that WCW sucks. And in the process of making this incredibly valuable brand, which is the NWO, they've destroyed their home base brand, which is WCW. So I sat there last year watching, thinking to myself, that's a risk that New Japan is going to run. That they could destroy the New Japan brand by making the Bullet Club the coolest thing in wrestling. And so watching this year, and seeing the Bullet Club do okay, you know, Cody did well. Adam Cole won the title. But seeing the Young Bucks lose the titles and uh, Kenny Omega uh, not win the title. Seeing both those guys lose, seeing the seeing the elite lose at this pay per view was like okay, this is smart. The focus is still on New Japan, and I thought that they were very smart. Like I don't think the Bullet Club was hurt. I think Kenny Omega. People still people left Wrestle Kingdom going, oh my god, Kenny Omega might be the biggest star in wrestling. Like, he's got all that potential. I really was watching it going, it's weird that he's not in WWE. It's weird that he hasn't been scooped up yet. And he came out recently and, you know, he he was talking about people going to WWE just for the money and blah, blah, blah. But, like, you know, I, I think that if given the offer, he would probably go. If it was a fair offer. I think the same thing for the Young Bucks. You know, at the end of the day, WWE is the premier place for pro wrestling in the world. And in order to be thought of by the general public as one of the greats of all time, you have to be great in WWE. You just do. And I think that that's fair. It is what it is. That's like, you know, the NFL does some weird stuff that's not necessarily great. But if you're a football player and you want to be one of the all-time greats and you want to go into the Hall of Fame and you want to do this and you want to do that, you can't just be great in the CFL. You have to be good in the NFL. 
and that's the Hall of Fame to be in. The WWE Hall of Fame, I'm sorry, is the wrestling Hall of Fame that matters, and that's because WWE has built themselves into the company that they are. And you could like it or not like it, but it is what it is, and it's justified if you ask me. As a casual wrestling fan, like, I'll watch Wrestle Kingdom, I'll do all the, I'm, I guess, <laughs> casual wrestling fan. I can't believe I just described myself. That's how mentally ill I am. I think I'm just a casual wrestling fan. I don't think I'm a hardcore. I'm like, oh, I'm just one of these guys that likes wrestling. Like, no, no. Nobody's, people aren't, the casual wrestling fan isn't spending hours a week, every week, all week, watching wrestling, then they're saying, oh, I don't know if Raw should be three hours long, but I watched the whole three hours, now I'm going to turn on the network, and now I'm going to watch this pay-per-view from 1992, and now I'm going to watch this. You know, I should watch the Monday Night Wars for the 19th time in a row. I sat down with my wife the other day, right after Christmas, we went to Shake Shack, and we sat there for an hour as I explained to her exactly what the territory system's were, how the WWE was born, how the WCW was born, how ECW launched, and how they all came together. Like, I, I basically explained to her from a company perspective the world of mainstream wrestling. Just a casual fan. But for, for casual wrestling fans, WWE is the spot. And, and, and it's digestible, and it's easy, and it's got... And it's been around long enough and has put out enough great quality stuff that we trust it. You know, and, and, and I think that that's fair. There's plenty of stuff that hasn't been great that they've done, but they've done a lot of stuff. So I think that it's pretty fair that they would be called the most important game in town. And, you know, if you want to go down in history across the world as one of the greatest of all times, that's where you have to be. So I would still expect Kenny Omega at some point to be in WWE. And I think if he doesn't end up in WWE, it will really be a shame both to wrestling fans and to him. Say what you want about WWE and going there just for the money and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, look at the year AJ Styles has had. Look at what's on tap for Samoa Joe, potentially. Look at what's on tap for Nakamura, potentially. You know, are Gallows and Anderson being used to the best, best, best of their potential? Maybe not, but they certainly haven't been buried. And people say they have, but they have not. They've gotten a lot of opportunity to shine. Uh, I would prefer that they got more, but they certainly have gotten opportunity to shine. Look at Finn Balor. Prince Devitt leaves New Japan. Look at him. Kevin Steen leaves Ring of Honor. Look at him. Like, there's a lot, a lot of success stories to come out of WWE from people who are like Kenny Omega. So I, I don't think that there's any reason to think that if Kenny, at this point in the WWE that is alive in 2017, if Kenny Omega or the Young Bucks popped up anytime soon, uh, I think it would only be good for them. And if they could kind of adapt to the style just a little bit, they could be very, very successful. Uh, but I do think they need to adapt to the style. For instance, the Young Bucks... Um, lost the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships at the pay-per-view, and they did not seem upset about it. You know what I mean? They were kind of, they kind of, and I loved the Young Bucks, and I loved the match, but there was something about their their uh, aura, their vibe at the end of the match where I'm like, these guys are not terribly upset. They're not bummed out, really about how the match went. They're they're just kind of, like, they're still being goofy. They're still in character. You know what I mean? They were still being silly. 
they're still being the Young Bucks and showing off their other title belts and still kind of bragging as opposed to being really mad. And for guys that like being champions and like winning as much as those characters do, I think they should have been a lot more pissed that they lost those titles to Rocky Romero and Trent Beretta. Um, great match, by the way, and congratulations to Rocky Romero and Trent Beretta. Um, I think it's a good look for them. So yeah, I all in all, I thought that the pay-per-view uh, was awesome. Uh, it was so cool to see all that stuff and, and uh, you know... As far as being a, a mainstream attraction in America, I think every year after Wrestle Kingdom, people say, you know, uh-oh, New Japan could be a real contender. New Japan could be a real contender. But it, that's Wrestle Kingdom. That's the biggest show of the year. That's not what every New Japan show looks like. And at the end of the day, if you want to have week-to-week success, if you want to be a real competitor in the world of pro wrestling in America, you've got to figure out a way to communicate storylines on a regular basis better. There's a language barrier, and it, that won't work. You know, I'm sorry, but if Lucha Underground were in Spanish, it wouldn't work. That's why it's that's why they use uh, uh, Spanish culture and, and Hispanic culture, but they don't do it fully in Spanish. Some of it, there's some Spanish language in it, but it's not a Spanish language show because it wouldn't work as well in America. Um, so that's something New Japan has to figure out. But there's a, there's a lot of talent there, and I love their presentation. They figured out how to do a six and a half hour show, so you got to give them props for that. Uh, speaking of non WWE shows, Ronda Rousey had her second loss in a row. She lost to Holly Holm. She takes thirteen months off. She comes back. She fights Amanda Nunes. There's promo everywhere that says Ronda Rousey is back. She looks like she's in the best shape she's ever been in. And she gets punched about the face for 48 seconds until the referee has to stop the fight. And justifiably so. Ronda Rousey got rocked. The referee saved her life by stopping that fight. Um, I don't, I, I like, you know, it's tough. Because Ronda Rousey went from a genre-defining performer to somebody who it would appear psychologically can't win a fight. That psychologically losing did too much damage to her that getting in a cage might be too difficult. And and I don't know, she's only 29, right? So she should still have lots of years left to fight. But based on what we've seen, I don't know if she has it in her to like have a slow and steady comeback. It's like either you're dominating or you're not fighting. It would appear that that's the only way that Ronda Rousey works. So this led a lot of people, myself included, to theorize, whether it be in, in jest or not, about Ronda Rousey coming off of that UFC loss and showing up in the WWE. To me, I think it's a no-brainer. I, don't, I, I, I think Ronda cannot keep going back into that octagon and getting her head caved in, right? And I think Ronda wants to be a role model and I think Ronda wants Ronda wants to be famous. You know, you don't you don't do come out with a book and do movies and magazine covers and talk shows and do that whole thing. Cuz she really enjoyed doing all the press when people liked her. When she was losing, she stopped enjoying it. But when she was winning, she really enjoyed all the press and the perks that came with it. And if she's successful in the world of pro wrestling, 
she has the ability to become a crossover star. Like, I think that Charlotte at this point, I would love to say it's Sasha Banks, but in this moment, I would say that Charlotte is the first female, well, not even the first, because the Bella Twins have successfully crossed over into the mainstream. There are women who know who the Bellas are that don't watch WWE, which is what WWE always wants out of their superstars. The Bellas have successfully transferred over to the mainstream. I think Charlotte has the potential to be the first athlete, to be the first person to do that on an athletic level. Meaning, Charlotte's won't. The Bellas did it. I think it was athletic, but it was also personality based. Like people fall in love with the Bellas when they get to know them, and they should. I mean, goddamn, if I haven't seen a more charming family. I watched Total Bellas and Total Divas. I think that the, the Bellas, especially what Nikki is doing in the ring right now, is so awesome. But at the end of the day, it's their personalities that are really winning people over. I think what Charlotte does in the ring is as close to a Ronda Rousey-type performer in the world of WWE. And I think that Charlotte has the potential to have maybe not – the Rock-like crossover. I think the Bellas are more like The Rock in terms of crossover appeal. But I think that Charlotte has a John Cena-like appeal. That that Charlotte is going to be able, as a female, to be the face of WWE and to cross over on a mainstream level. Because not only... Because she's got a great look... She can, she can represent herself well in an interview. When you turn on the TV and you watch her perform, on a performance level, she can be a role model for young women. And she's got a backstory with her dad. All those elements combined, it's all there. Ronda Rousey has the same thing. Ronda Rousey has an amazing look. She's got a fantastic backstory. I mean, coming from tragedy, fighting, Bob, the whole deal. You know, she's got a great backstory. Athletically, she can be a role model and she can represent herself in an interview. It's just a matter of committing to pro wrestling. I think if she committed to pro wrestling, it could be an amazing thing. That said, I think she could also have a really cool one shot if she wanted to do that. I think the idea of her going to WrestleMania, WrestleMania is a little soon. I think it could happen. I absolutely think it could happen. Um, but I do think it's timing is unfortunate because WrestleMania is quickly approaching and I think if Ronda Rousey is going to step into a WWE ring physically she has to be ready meaning she has to be in Orlando within a month or two to really start getting training at least for this one match uh, and I think it would have to be a tag match as well I don't think we can do Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte and even if we did I think that would be pretty unfair to Bailey you know I think it would you would have to do like you know Ronda Rousey, you could do, I, you know, Ronda Rousey and Seth Rollins versus Triple H and Stephanie or, or, or find, you know, or, you know, bring up uh, Asuka and do something where it could be Seth Rollins and Ronda versus Triple H and Asuka because Triple H is going to bring up one of his NXT people or take Triple H and, and, and Seth Rollins out of it completely and figure out another tag scenario to do. But I don't think that you put Ronda in there by herself. Maybe you do a, a, a Rock and Ronda Rousey tag team match. That would be a great look for both people. 
especially Ronda. It would probably be more beneficial to Ronda than it would be to The Rock at this point, but it wouldn't be bad for The Rock. The Rock and Ronda Rousey versus two people. Any any, any way you slice it, it could be good. There were some people on Twitter. You know, I talked to the WWE Universe on Twitter, and they told me that uh, Ronda, uh, her value had gone down, meaning she wasn't valuable to WWE anymore because she lost two fights, which is the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. Ronda Rousey's value as a professional wrestling, as a sports entertainment attraction, hasn't gone down even slightly. No, WWE fans don't care about that. WWE fans do not care about that. When Mike Tyson showed up in WWE, he was not actually the world's most dangerous boxer or whatever anymore. He wasn't. He was still a tough dude, but he was, he was, he was Mike Tyson towards the end of Mike Tyson. You know, but it was still Mike Tyson, and it was still the baddest man on the planet, and we didn't care because it was awesome to see him be a part of this. And that's the way Ronda Rousey would fit in. It would be a huge get. It's the right timing for Ronda to do it, and uh, I think it's something that WWE absolutely needs to do. Now, if you remember, let's talk about WrestleMania a little bit. If you remember, after after uh, uh, Survivor Series... I talked about Goldberg beating Brock Lesnar. And I talked about how that victory led us to a scenario where you can have a Goldberg match and a Brock Lesnar match. Now, most of the the rumors, most of the rumors and innuendo, as some may say, uh, have focused on a Goldberg-Brock Lesnar rematch happening at WrestleMania, which I still think is pretty likely and I'd be fine with. But I honestly think, and I thought from the beginning, that Goldberg getting that victory gives you an opportunity to do something else with Goldberg at WrestleMania. And, and you could still convince Goldberg to do one more match. You know, come back, well, what's after uh, uh, WrestleMania? I guess nothing till SummerSlam, right? The next big one's SummerSlam. Come back at SummerSlam and you can finally do your Brock Lesnar-Goldberg rematch then. But do something different with Goldberg at WrestleMania, I would say. And uh, tweet me, please, at NotSam. Tell me if I've lost my mind, because maybe I'm crazy. But I would much rather see Roman Reigns versus Goldberg at WrestleMania than Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg at WrestleMania. You can yaboo yeah, or boo Roman Reigns all you want. But there was, a, there was a spark, and there was magic in the ring when Roman Reigns was staring down Goldberg. I wanted nothing more on Raw than to see Kevin Owens. Honestly, what I really wanted to see on Raw was Chris Jericho start calling Goldberg Greenberg again. <laughs> Just go right back to Nitro. But I wanted nothing more. I, I started being like, oh, man, this could be great. I love the idea of Kevin Owens reminding us that he's a badass fight Owens fight like let's you know we're eventually we're going to get back to fight Owens fight eventually we're going to get back to Kevin Owens the prize fighter and I and I think that we are going to be able to make the transition back there when the time's right but remind him that, that Kevin Owens is not afraid of anybody and he's certainly not afraid of Goldberg who's an old man who's a part-timer who say whatever you want as Kevin Owens um but I started being like oh I like this I like the idea of Kevin Owens being mad at Goldberg and, and wanting to get in there I thought the Raw as an episode was not as good as it could have been, and that has to do with pacing. Remember last week, 
Charlie was on like every other segment and she was doing interviews and it was all over the place and there was this like just just this happening, that happening, this happening, that happening. And it really felt like there was something going on here. This week there were very few promos. There wasn't much tying the storylines together. There wasn't it, it didn't feel like it was a mile a minute and anything can happen. And that's all it is. That's the difference between a good Raw and a Raw that's not as good is the pacing. The reason SmackDown is good every week is because it, it goes it's paced very well. The show always feels like you're cramming as much as you can into two hours, which is the issue of Raw being three hours. It never feels like you're running out of time. It never feels like you're cramming in more than you can possibly fit. It always feels like you're stretching. Unless you're doing stuff like you did last week, where there's stuff going on backstage, there's multiple storylines that are playing out on top of each other, there's this interweaving thing where a whole bunch of stuff is happening all at once, and anything can happen, right? It wasn't like that this week, but the closing segment was great, and the closing segment got me psyched about the Royal Rumble and the Royal Rumble match. They've been doing a better job promoting the Royal Rumble on Raw by a mile than they have on SmackDown. You know, you got your John Cena versus AJ Styles, but you forget half the Royal Rumble match is supposed to be made up of SmackDown guys. And aside from Baron Corbin, it doesn't seem like they really are eager to get in there and get that title shot uh, at WrestleMania, which is odd. So, uh, I find myself very much wanting to see a Roman Reigns-Goldberg match. And I think it's an opportunity to make Roman Reigns a much more appealing person i think you could have whether it's a title match or not you know you could have roman reigns win the title from kevin owens and goldberg win the royal rumble and then you're going whoa what is going on here idea being you go into wrestlemania thinking okay look we saw the rock win the wwe championship and not really defend it very often. We saw Brock Lesnar win the WWE Championship, and that thing was literally being defended once every three months. So the idea of Goldberg, who everybody except yours truly, thought was only coming back for one match, the idea of him winning the WWE Championship at WrestleMania is not, like, crazy. Like, it could happen, given the right circumstance. You could see this thing where Goldberg wins the title, the Universal Championship, and between now, between April, May, June, July, August, that's a four-month run, which is long. Maybe they figure out another pay-per-view, but you could see them giving Goldberg a two-, three-month run as champion where he doesn't really defend it, he comes out and cuts a couple promos, and then eventually drops the title at another pay-per-view, whether it's SummerSlam or whether it's a little before that. That is feasible. So there is this idea that Goldberg could beat Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship, especially because he beat Brock, uh, Brock Lesnar in a minute and a half, and Roman Reigns is not the most popular guy in the world. So so that does suspend your disbelief. I probably would not make it the title match. I probably would just make it a Goldberg versus Roman Reigns match, but you still can put it at the top of the cart. And it's this moment where Roman Reigns can come across as the voice of the people that are against part-timers. Roman Reigns can go do the same thing that AJ Styles is doing with John Cena, really. Say what you want about me, but I don't need a guy coming in here 
and and talking about how great he was. Okay? This is me. I'm the one who's been dominating. I'm the one who's been putting people out. Goldberg, you don't scare me. My spear is the one that's been taking people out. I've beaten everybody that they've put in front of me. Whether these fans are cheering me or not, I don't need piped-in Roman Reigns chants to make it seem like I'm a bigger deal than I am. I'm not a good guy. I'm not a bad guy. I'm the guy. And guess what, Goldberg? You were the guy. I am the guy. I love the idea of a Roman Reigns-Goldberg match. I love the idea of Roman Reigns saying, Goldberg, get go away. It's our time, not your time. Get out of here. That's what I wanted out of Kevin Owens a little bit. I wanted Kevin Owens to be like, Goldberg, nobody's afraid of you. Like, we all watched you when we were kids. Why do you think you're scary? That's what I want to hear. Now I want to hear it even more from Roman Reigns. And I think if, if it, it would give Roman Reigns the opportunity to be this badass that he could do really effectively. Roman Reigns should be the guy that you are afraid to screw over. You are afraid to mess with. Because if you cheat Roman Reigns out of anything, he's going to rip your house down. He's going to eat your family. That's the Roman Reigns that we want to see. So, so, and I think we could see that from Goldberg. You know, from a Goldberg match. And I like the idea of Roman Reigns beating Goldberg. And I think it's something we could all swallow a lot more easily than Roman Reigns you know, winning the title last year at WrestleMania, which a lot of people didn't love. And I don't think he's going to be wrestling for the title at WrestleMania, personally. But I don't know what will happen with the title at WrestleMania, you know? I don't think that the Kevin Owens-Chris Jericho match is a title match either. In my WrestleMania, I would have Roman Reigns versus Goldberg. I would have uh, Chris Jericho versus Kevin Owens. I would have Seth Rollins versus Triple H. And I guess one of those matches ends up being for the title. But I, I don't I don't know which one. I don't know if Finn Balor's back. But I love the idea of a Finn Balor title match. But I, I, I'm, I don't know exactly where the title goes, which is why I'm not strictly against the idea. Like, I, I don't... I like the idea of Roman Reigns maybe walking into WrestleMania as the champion. We all think he's going to lose it to Goldberg, which is kind of annoying because we don't want Goldberg to be champion. He's not even going to be on the show. Then he wins. He keeps the title. He walks onto Raw the Monday after WrestleMania as the Universal Champion. And what do we hear? Boom, 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 boom. And the demon is back. Right? Isn't that the perfect moment for the Monday after WrestleMania? Roman Reigns has gotten his time to shine. He beat Goldberg. And it isn't even that hard for us all to swallow. So now it's our turn. It's the hardcore's turn. What happens the night after WrestleMania? And that's when Finn Balor comes out to get his title back from Roman Reigns. And now you've got this scenario where Seth Rollins just beat Triple H and he's sitting there wanting a shot at the title too. But Finn Balor deserves it, right? And maybe Finn Balor gets it from Roman Reigns, and then Seth Rollins wants it from Finn Balor, and there's a whole thing. And then and then Kevin Owens, who just beat Chris Jericho, or vice versa, thinks they should get a title shot. There's all this stuff that could potentially happen. But I love the idea of a, of a 
Goldberg Roman Reigns match. And who knows? You know, what happens? Tell me this. Stranger things have happened. Tell me this. What happens if Samoa Joe eliminates Brock Lesnar from the Royal Rumble? Hmm? What happens if Baron Corbin eliminates Brock Lesnar from the Royal Rumble? What happens if we saw a Baron Corbin versus Brock Lesnar match? Or a Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar match? Or any of those things? You know, and who knows whether you would, you know, give the kid the rub or have Brock Lesnar win. Either way, it's putting those guys on a pedestal. And it could, it could, if it's done right, do good for them regardless. Um, it's an exciting time. There's a lot of possibilities. And, and you know what? A Goldberg-Brock Lesnar rematch would be fine. It would still be entertaining, and it would still make people want to tune in for WrestleMania. But I'd, I'd prefer... I'd, I'd prefer seeing Goldberg in another match. And right now, based on Raw, the match that I want to see at WrestleMania, and tell me if I'm crazy. You can tweet me if you want. But the match that I want to see at WrestleMania is Goldberg versus Roman Reigns. It just is the way it is. Uh, there, it looks like there is a little more sprinkling in the cruiserweights with mainstream talent. Jack Gallagher in the New Day. I think we all noticed that on Raw. That's moving in the right direction. We'll see if it keeps up. Um, I'm excited to see what happens. I would imagine next week on Raw, Shawn Michaels is really just going to promote his movie, which is fine. It's just cool to see uh, Shawn Michaels on Raw. My guess is that The Undertaker is going to uh, announce that he's in the Royal Rumble. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's coming out on Raw to call all the Raw superstars out and say that he's representing SmackDown in the Royal Rumble. I don't know. But I like that The Undertaker's doing what I thought they should have done in the draft with Brock Lesnar and the other part-timers, which is remain undrafted. Brock Lesnar should not have a draft pick. Um, but I'm excited to see The Undertaker, and I would imagine that he will be in the Royal Rumble this year, which is super exciting. Um, uh, also, uh, uh, you know, and when, I, when I saw that Dean Ambrose had won the Intercontinental title from The Miz, I was disappointed because I'm a fan of The Miz. But can I just say, and, and we don't really have time to go into detail, there's a couple things I want to talk about, which is I saw the XFL 30 for 30. That might have to wait till next week. And maybe next week we'll get, I mean, we've talked about The Miz a lot, and I don't even know how much needs to be said. But once again, how great was The Miz on Talking Smack this week? Huh? You, that's a must-watch show. It is a must. And, and you know, as, as cliche as it is, The Miz is kind of making it that way. Um, I mean, it was it was must-watch enough that I literally came home this afternoon, watched uh, Wrestle Kingdom, then SmackDown, and then still watched Talking Smack. Because I go, what? The Miz just lost his Intercontinental title? I got to see what he's got to say. That really is an elevation for that championship, for the Intercontinental title. They've done a good job with that on SmackDown. So, uh, yeah, it's been good. I hope you all enjoyed the podcast this week. We will be back next week. Here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Until then, we'll aggressively say toodaloo. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. 
blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York.